0: The We're Going Family Style deal.
1: Because I want a bite of your Big Mac.
0: And I need some of your Cotopan. I'll
1: try your fillet of fish.
0: There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any
1: two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with guilda Wiaka
2: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in the support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Wilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at evolution requires sustainability. It hardly makes sense to evolve spiritually if our planet becomes unable to sustain us, while our current lifestyles of unchecked consumerism threatens to drown us and the earth in our own garbage. It's unrealistic to expect the entire global society to revert to sticks and stones or an indigenous lifestyle. sheer number alone make that impossible. We need a third option, one supporting responsibility and sustainability, one that's spiritually uplifting and aesthetic, as well as leaving a small footprint. And we need to find it fast. Time is of the essence. Our guest this hour has some interesting thoughts on the subject. Marcy Zaroff is the author of Echo Renaissance, a lifestyle guide for co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world. Cool. Marcy is a pioneer, visionary, authority, and serial entrepreneur who has built cutting-edge brands and companies such as Metaware, Farm to Home, Good Catch Foods, Beyond Brands, Under the Canopy, and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. For nearly 3 decades, she has used her platform to speak, teach, innovate, and publicize her passion for living, breathing, and thriving in an eco-life with style. Her website, marcyzaroff.com. Marcy, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
3: Thank you so much for having me. What is your educational background? Uh, well, I actually have a business degree from UC Berkeley, um, but I was the kid with the lemonade stand who um, always had... Uh, kind of was wired as an entrepreneur, and I discovered the brand Aveda very, uh, at a very young age, and it really struck a chord in me, and so with my uh, entrepreneurial wiring, married with my passion for um, leveraging the power of business to affect positive change, I set out on this journey, and uh, three decades later, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been doing a lot there.
2: What what would you call your area of expertise?
3: Yeah, so you know, I I actually don't have a fashion degree, even though I've now founded uh, three different companies that are built around fashion and. Uh, home and apparel fashion. Um, But I would say my expertise that that sort of connects the dots between food, fashion, beauty, whatever uh, business I am actually building, it is connecting source to story. It's understanding how to think out of the box and build innovative supply chain models that are paradigm shifting, that ultimately are sustainable, that can be connected back to the you know, the media, the frontline, the consumer, the retailer, and to tell those stories. Um, and that, you know, authenticity, transparency, these are things that I've built my career on. And of course, they're front and center today. And even the, you know, largest corporations in the world.
2: It's certainly changing out there, the corporate world, uh, the whole atmosphere and driving force behind it is really shifting, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I often say this isn't even about staying ahead anymore. It's about not being left behind. You know, it the, the Internet has changed the game so much because you can pull the curtain back. Um, you can unveil the human and environmental impacts of the decisions and the choices that we're making as consumers. You can ask questions. Where's my food coming from? Where's my clothes coming from? Who's making it? How's it being made? What's in it? Um, and that has really become a catalyst so that the old days are over. Um, you can't Hide anymore. You can't make things up. You can't, you know, pretend that your product is good because if someone uncovers that's actually doing harm, that word will get out. So I think um, today, you know, if you're not thinking about sustainability within your business strategies as a company, you're going to become irrelevant because transparency is now so fundamental to a consumer's mindset.
2: So how did you become interested in sustainability?
3: Uh, well, when I was 15 years old, um, somebody, a friend of mine, who I actually talk about in my book, um, brought, bought me a book called Living in the Light and by Shakti Gawain. And it just, it really just resonated. And it made me um, think about, you know, there's more than what we see um, in everything around us. And so... Um, I just started to self-teach, you know. Myself, I, I started to buy books and go to conferences. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was introduced to the brand of Veda, which um, really embodied that very premise that, you know, you can build a business on people, planet, profit, passion and purpose, and that um, it's not this or that. Sustainability is not something that should be viewed as, you know, a um, you have to make a sacrifice or, you know, there's something that you have to give up to have sustainability. It's something that can be embedded into businesses products um, and services as value add so that it's not why would you be thinking about sustainability it's more why wouldn't you be so for me this journey um you know again starting with Aveda and then just continuing to study this space and you know I'm going back you know 25 30 years now it just made so much sense to me and I was like it's not an if it's a when people catch (laughs) on to this
2: (laughs) yeah well historically what's blocked green from being becoming mainstream
3: so, there's really been three main stigmas. I think stigma number one is that you have to give up something in the process that. Um, in fashion, you have to give up style or quality or fit or color or comfort. You know, there's the stigma that, uh, it's crunchy, it's frumpy, it's boxy, it's beige, it's boring. It's made from hemp. It looks like a potato sack, you know, and in the old school, it's not like this so much anymore, but it used to be, um, the perception, if it was organic, if it was healthy and, you know, then it was granola, it was brown rice, it was tasteless, you know, it, it had nothing, there was no gourmet component to it. Um, and so I think the stigma one is that, you know that there's deprivation if you're embracing sustainability and so that stigma has been broken clearly we have to lead with in the sustainable business you know food fashion beauty worlds Uh, we have to lead with buy it or support it because it's a great product it tastes great it smells great it works it's beautiful and oh by the way it's also organic plant-based you know GMO free, um, you know, made ethically and all the other layers on top. Um, And then the second stigma is that it's going to cost a lot more. And I think, you know, part of that stigma is just simple economics that when business models are started, you know, and the the demand is not as great as the supply, there are added costs. But as we have learned to scale and become more efficient across all of these different business models and popular culture sectors, we have found ways to be more vertically integrated, to be more collaborative, to share costs. Um, and today, you know, we can be pretty close to cost neutral in this country. As an example, Costco is the largest buyer of organic food in America. It's not whole foods, the whole paycheck stigma anymore. Um, and so it just it's just forced the market to really adopt to you know being accessible to the mainstream and i think that's been a huge breakthrough for for sustainable products and the third stigma really is how do i really know how do you know that it's you know organic or sustainable or you know ethically made and and that has to do with a lot of the third party certifications that have been born and supported that people have learned about like fair trade or organic which is governed by the us um, you know it's a federally regulated program the organic seal Um, and so it really comes down to consumer trust and knowing that um, if they're going to support you know a better product that they're told is better because of you know whether it's ingredients or it's manufacturing methods that they believe that claim so
2: you know now we are seeing organic products and natural beauty products showing up in Walmart of all places what is driving the change
3: well, you know, in, in speaking about the Internet and transparency earlier, it's really the millennials that, you know, they're growing up where um, they they want to know, they want answers, and they can get them. And so I think, um, you know, 52% of, of organic shoppers are actually millennials. You know, it's a $50 billion industry in this country um, that's been growing at double-digit rates, and yet, you know, the number one reason that people – typically will embrace organic food or organic products is when they have children and if only 10% of millennials have had kids today which means let's say 80% are going to have kids eventually that growth rate isn't going backwards it's not going away anytime soon and i think the retailers are really seeing that you know this is the future of their market and if they don't stay relevant and they don't adapt to what tomorrow today and tomorrow's consumers want um they're not going to be able to be competitive and you know, in in their space.
2: You know, it used to be that uh, going organic was considered like a fashion or for the granola types and it is getting more mainstream. Are people really starting to recognize the health benefits?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, science is such a, you know, a catalyst for people to to embrace and believe in you know claims that they might read or hear or see Um, and so there's a lot more science going into the space I mean the Organic Center for Research and Promotion you have um, you know the Rodale Institute um, as well as you know a lot of schools and universities are studying plants right now they're studying agriculture Um, they're studying these things and they're and they're talking about them and I think you know Uh, information is is really key and so it's just the beginning Um, and I think the more demand there is which is growing um, like in in America you know we have 12 percent demand for organic products and we only have five percent supply which means we're importing seven percent of the organic products in the market today just to meet the demand of the consumer so it's you know
2: yeah it's it's going to be time for a commercial break. Um, Marcy and I will be back after this commercial break. So you're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
0: exxon radio tv for more information on the exxon radio tv show with yours truly rob mcconnell visit www.exxonradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net
2: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Wilde Weyeka, and our guest this hour is Marcy Zaroff. Her website, MarcyZaroff.com. So, Marcy, tell me, what is an echo lifestyle with style?
3: <laughs> it really comes down to no compromise. Um, you know, my career has really been dedicated to bridging worlds. So when I started um, my journey, it, it began in food and I lived in New York City. I co-founded uh, a school that's known today as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition Which has now certified over seventy-five thousand people as health coaches worldwide. Um, But when we started, you know, people were coming to the school because they thought, "Oh, I have to, you know, go and learn about this because I'm trying to heal something." And you know, there was almost this like resistance and. Today, you know, so many people are going there because they see how it can enhance their lives to be thinking preventatively. Um, So it's really about no compromise and teaching people that you can have great taste that's also healthy and better for you. And in the case of eco-fashion, when I coined the term eco-fashion in 1995, um, those worlds were very dichotomous. People who were uh, into fashion were very prejudiced about people into the environment they were like oh those people are tree huggers and you know they have no style and then likewise people who were conscious beings and environmentalists and humanitarian looked at the fashion industry as very superficial materialistic and those people have no soul right so to me I'm like wait a minute but I'm both (laughs) I can't be the only one that wants to look good feel good and do good in the world So, um, you know, my my career has been really um, bridging the tribe and the fashionista, you know, the tree hugger in the boardroom and bringing worlds together that um, you can have it all.
2: Can there be a certain amount of compromise, though, or reevaluating our values? Because we have become a narcissistic um, um, appearance, uh, conscious people to the detriment of a lot of our richer um, aspects, uh, spiritually speaking. Can, can we start to share that information instead of be so polarized?
3: No question about it. And that goes back to, you know, bridging worlds, right? So in my book, Um, I highlight 41 people who I call my Illuminatists. You know, these are my modern day Michelangelos of the eco-Renaissance. And because of this, you know, obsession in our society that people have with watching other people's lives or, you know, reality TV, I mean, you know, even all the way up through politics. Um, you know, it's like people are looking for places to kind of watch. Right. And so these, these people in my book are, you know, they're influencers. They're all people doing amazing things in the world and through their personal lives, their personal choices, their, their business lives and their, and their businesses. They're literally, um, people that, go watch them. I encourage it. I want you to go check out their website and go um, and and be inspired, really. So I think it comes down to, you know, educating people and inspiring them and activating them around, you know, good choices and good businesses and good products and um, how they can vote with their dollars and they can be a part of the solution instead of the problem. <laughs>
2: Um, you know, beauty is an interesting, interesting thing. Because um, I think back to oh, even the way my Lakota teacher would um, y- use colors and beads and, and beautiful things uh, when he was making his sacred objects. The same thing we see in churches and synagogues and stupas. Beauty is always part of spirituality. How is that playing in here?
3: Well, my mentor for over 25 years was the founder of Aveda. And he was a real revolutionary and um, he was a real revolutionary and he he um, was really ahead of his time in the sense that, you know, he understood that you have to appeal to people first and foremost at a visceral level and then you can draw them into you know the rabbit hole and pull the you know layers of the onion off and inspire people around you know plant-based wisdom ancient traditions eastern philosophy native american wisdom you know and i think um it's important from the lens of beauty and which is really the premise of my book eco renaissance it's through the lens of design and beauty we can change the world if you if you, you know, strike that, you know, first visual, um, or you resonate with somebody, you know, from beauty coming from within, it's a vibration, it's a, you know, um, just really making them feel that sort of radiant energy, they will want to know more, you know? And I think that for me, within Eco Renaissance and my, this, um, focus on, uh, appealing to people through the lens of redesign, through beauty, through taste, through scent, through um, style. I think that's a a very important way that you can uh, educate people where they aren't so scared because many people are just paralyzed about entering this this eco-renaissance, this this sustainability movement or a consciousness revolution just because they're scared, right? And so you have to make it, you have to meet people where they are. What are they afraid of? change (laughs) i think uh they're afraid of being inconvenienced they're afraid of um they're afraid of making changes that are gonna you know be difficult um and i think there's been a lot of um misinformation around sustainability not being attainable um, that you have to be really rich to buy, you know, eco-fashion or organic food um, or that you have to, you know, be an, a diehard activist environmentalist in to embrace this movement or this way of thinking. And, you know, in the book, I talk through every one of my chapters, which um, starts with art. Art is the language of the eco-renaissance. It is the foundation because we are all creators and we can create whatever reality we want. And then I go into food, I go into wellness, beauty, fashion, and business. And the, the uh, common theme through all of those chapters that links... All of these uh, spokes in the wheel of change are creativity, connection, community, consciousness, and collaboration. And they're like, that's like the DNA of the movement. Um, So I think that as you approach people, you know, with that, with fear, who are, you know, in fear, and you make this very accessible, um, affordable, authentic, fun, sexy, cool, um, then, you know, then, again, going back to what I said earlier, it's not why, it's why not.
2: Well, you know, when you were talking about beauty before, you were speaking, uh, when I was listening to you, it seemed like you're st- the beauty you were speaking of comes from within and radiates outward. It's not something you can paint on or Botox on. Or I can, How can we get beyond going backwards, like trying to put it on the outside rather than having it come from the inside?
3: Yeah, well, you know, the, this whole movement is about making people think it's about making people feel it's about, you know, um, if you, if you approach people without preaching, but instead just teaching by example or serving or, you know, handholding and, and just guiding with light. I think at the core of who we all are, you know, we recognize that, um, that, beauty and and you know change is not something that is about, you know, Botox or, you know, it's about feeling good. It's about being happy. It's about feeling love. It's about feeling fulfillment, passion, purpose. And these things don't come from, you know, a product necessarily that you buy. And I always have said, it's not about the products that I'm even creating in my businesses. The products are the vehicles for transformation. The, pri- the products to me, the businesses I create are are there and that's why I can go from food to beauty to fashion because they all are they're all guiding lights you know they're all it's not about the shirt but the shirt has to be really cute it's not about the you know again, the, the lotion, but the lotion has to smell good and be functional, but it's really about what's behind it and telling those stories. And then that goes back to what I said, my passion and sort of my forte is connecting source to story, you know, doing well by doing good, serving others because it's serving myself and, and really, you know, the opportunities are, and the potential for this movement are, are limitless.
2: So it sounds to me like the fashion, the beauty, the things that you are offering through your products are really the bridge because it takes people from where they've been and starts to shift their perspective as to what can be.
3: Yeah, well, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, right, we we start with food. We all, that's our, one of our basic needs. Um, everybody needs to eat. So how do we use food as, um, you know, a force for change and a force for positive and sustainable living that you know gives people what they love and seek but also you know makes a difference to human and planetary health farmer and worker welfare and future generations so in the name of you know Albert Einstein's uh, quote that we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created those problems so we have to change our consciousness and we have to recognize that you know we can these it's not about never buying anything again because that's not realistic and not or never eating that's not realistic or you know not buying clothing or having clothing it's about how do we how how do we have you know win-win solutions that are good for the people that are making our products or growing them for ourselves um, for the businesses that are selling them and then ultimately for our children and our children's children
2: so that would really change. We're about out of time for the, the segment, but that would really change our approach to advertising rather than trying to trick someone into buying something they don't need just because you want to make money. You're putting out the the truth of the product. Is, is that kind of the shift you're looking at there?
3: No question about it. You know, we can no longer talk at people. I mean, that's the whole thing about engagement. You know, we're all in this together. You know, we all live under the canopy of the planet's ecosystem together. We're all interconnected. You know, we're not outside of nature. We're part of nature. We have a symbiotic relationship with nature, right? So we breathe out carbon dioxide and nature breathes it in and nature breathes out oxygen. And we breathe it in. We're interdependent mm. with our environment. So well, we, we're you going know.
2: to have to pick up on this interdependence on another side of yet a short pause. Marcy <laughs> and I will return to our discussion. So, right after this break, you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net.
0: Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net
4: You have heard of the Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more.
0: The we're going family style deal.
1: Because I want a bite of your Big Mac.
0: And I need some of your quarter pie. I'll
1: try your filet of fish.
0: There's a deal for every friend
1: group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back.
2: This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest tools and information to support the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilde Wieka, and our guest this hour is Marcy Zaroff. Her website, MarcyZaroff.com. Marcy, why do you emphasize fashion, art, and beauty?
3: Well, um, I am a big believer that um, design is a powerful force for change. Um, I think that Uh, when you lead people with great design, you know, appealing to them from a place of that's beautiful, you know, that looks good, that, you know, that's something that's appetizing, that's something that, you know, intrigues me, that's something that I want, you know, then it becomes, all right, so plant that seed. And once you plant the seed of consciousness, it inevitably grows, you know, there's sort of this, as soon as you say, oh, and by the way, that happens to be plant-based or, you know. GMO-free or made without any toxic chemicals. And then people are like, what? Wait, what do you mean? And, and all of a sudden it makes them realize, wait, what does that mean about when I'm not thinking about that and I see something beautiful? So I think it's the, it's the seed that becomes the, to- the initial talking point that then you can activate people with. Yeah, because, you know, considering
2: <laughs> sustainable living for many uh, brings to mind hay bale huts and coarse homespun clothing. And it, that's not real appealing, is it? No,
3: and that's yeah. what's held the movement back for many years was the disconnect that you you have to give people what they want in the way of design first.
2: Hmm. Well, you have to bring people from where they are to where they need to be, don't you?
3: Yeah, and I and I live at the intersection of food fashion and beauty. And I see it in all of these areas, right? So with food, um, you know, one of my brands right now is a plant-based seafood brand. And I even see it when we're serving people and we say, you know, hey, try our tuna fish. You know, we haven't launched the brand yet. It's launching in uh, December, but we've done a lot of tastings and a lot of shows and events. And so, you know, you see people taste it and go, wow, this is delicious. And then we say, oh, by the way, it's plant-based. It's made from six beans and algae oils. So it mimics the nutrient profile of fish without harming the fish, without the mercury, the microfibers, the plastic, and all the toxins in the oceans. And then you get, like, people go, what? But it started with this tasted good. And and the same thing with every one of these products and sectors.
2: Yeah, I'm giving away my age here, but I remember the first forays into organic (laughs) uh, candy bar, not candy bars, but, you know, granola bars or organic this. It was like eating cardboard. And you know you can't even get your saliva going when you're trying to eat something like that. So I'm glad to hear it's coming around.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, well you know when I when I started my school in 1990, um, you know there were just a few brands and and you know a few companies and you know beans brains. I mean, there was the foundational pieces in this whole foods movement. And, you know, today I think, uh, you know, it's a far cry from that when you see, you know, everyone from Target and Walmart and Costco and Kroger and, you know, every major uh, multinational brand and retailer today is lining their shelves with organic food. And of course, every major mass market retailer from CVS, Duane, Weed, Walgreens, you know, they're moving their chemical uh, products off the shelves and making room now for, you know, more eco-friendly beauty products and we're starting to see in the fashion industry which gets me very excited pinching myself all the time um everybody's drinking the kool-aid now because they realize this is what they need to do to stay relevant
2: yeah i mean we're it's getting because i think everything's getting so transparent it's hard to miss the fact that the way we've been doing it isn't going to work much longer that's right business as
3: usual is not sustainable
2: yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned this a couple times since we've been talking. What does it mean to live under the canopy?
3: So, in Native American philosophy, the canopy is our ozone layer, and that, you know, represents the protection of life and future generations. In the rainforests of the world, the canopy is the top layer of the rainforest. So, everything that provides the ecosystems that, you know, generate the oxygen that we depend on, because we depend on oxygen from our rainforests, um, almost 50% of the world's oxygen comes from these ecosystems. And so um, we have to protect the canopy to protect the rainforest. And of course, going back to we all live on Mother Earth together, we all share, you know, and live under the canopy of our planet's ecosystem together. So, you know, Native American uh, wisdom, you know, always says, you know, we do not inherit this land from our ancestors, we borrow it from our children. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is our responsibility to, um, to vote with our dollars, to recognize that our clothing is not growing in the department store, our food is not growing in the supermarket, that people's lives are being affected And our environment is being affected by the industries that we're supporting. So let's shift those paradigms and support good business, good products, good companies so that we can create a sustainable reality for our future.
2: You speak of reconnecting to the earth as a first step in flourishing and thriving. Um, How how do you get people to do that?
3: Well, I mean, look at the farm to table movement, right? I mean, I think there's a reason it's taken off and, and, you know, people are are now wanting to know, you know, what's in my food. And I think that you you have to um, make it very um, practical. And I think, you know, you have to make this movement something that um, matters to people. And when they start to learn about, you know, the magnitude and multitude of chemicals that are going into their food, beauty, and fashion products today, suddenly they're like, wait a minute that I didn't know that, or that the government would never allow this. If, you know, if this was okay, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be protected. But if you look at the rules in places like Europe over the United States, I mean, that so many chemicals are banned in other countries around the world, or, you know, even GMO seeds, or, you know, they're, they're banned. And here we just, I mean, look at what's going on today. I mean, with coal burning, which is going to create more mercury, which is going to further pollute our oceans with, you know, and, and acidify the you know the coral reefs right because you know with mercury in our in our oceans and people eating fish, where do you think that mercury is going? I mean tuna are the highest up on the food chain and they're also the you know uh, the most heavily um, in, in, they include the most amount of mercury so it's affecting us what we the choices we make are affecting our own state of health and well-being
2: yeah, I've had uh, European friends come to visit, um, um, one Australian lady in particular, and she couldn't eat the wheat here, she couldn't do the dairy here, she was absolutely appalled, um, and it wasn't like she was just fussy, it's like she didn't. she'd get sick and she says, what's in this stuff, you know, and that was before GMOs came to this, you know, became... Public knowledge um and yet she could do fine on the breads and and dairy um in australia and i had the same experience in in france and germany in switzerland i could eat all of those things i was fine and i come back here and increasingly i cannot what's why are we letting this happen
3: <laughs> politics follow the money um, I don't think that it it makes any sense, which is why I do the work that I do, which is why I'm trying to educate people to make better choices, um, because, you know, we all have to be part of the solution and we have to demand better products and healthier products. And unless we do and we if we become complacent, industry will just keep doing what they're doing. And there's no coincidence that we have the highest rates of autism and cancer in the world. And we also have the most toxic, um, you know, industries um, in terms of, you know, not thinking about farming and agriculture, not thinking about, um, you know, pollution. I mean, I I just know with autism, I mentioned my my sister's son, my nephew is autistic and lives in New Jersey. And when he was diagnosed 10 years ago, the statistics in New Jersey were 1 in 10,000 boys. And today I think it's one in 26 boys in New Jersey, something like that. Um, and New Jersey is one of our, you know, the States with the most industry. Um, it's not, this is not a joke. Like This is not, you know, this is serious stuff here. And I think, you know, the way that our health and our environment are being compromised, um, we can't just depend on government. Government moves way too slow. We have to, um, you know, we have to to look at how can we dr- demand change um, and vote with our dollars, as I keep saying, because it's so important. And um, you know, and support the, the the brands and companies that are are doing well by doing good, that are making a difference.
2: Well, you know that the, there's one example um, in um, Hawaii; they were going to implement um, uh, daylight savings time, and um, They changed the clocks and nobody showed up to work. And so they still don't have daylight savings time. It's like that kind of continuity has power.
3: Yeah. I mean, um, I think that, you know, I think that people get comfortable with – they get comfortable with what they're told is okay for them, but you look at, you know, countries around the world that have built into their systems like recycling. Um, if you don't recycle, you get fined. You know how much? Uh, f- how much emissions? Um, you know. F- fuel emissions from your car determines the taxes you pay at the end of the year. I mean, there are systems around the world that are incentivizing people to make better choices, but here, um, you know, that that consistency is not necessarily a good thing, right? Because what do we see? We see McDonald's on every corner. We see, you know, we see... just a proliferation of chemicals that um, are in all of our products. And, and if you don't believe me, you know, start reading the labels of the products that line the shelves of a lot of mass market retailers. And my rule of thumb is if you can't pronounce it, you either shouldn't buy it, wear it, use it, eat it, or you should at least uh, research it and figure out what it, find out what it is.
2: Yeah, find out what's in there. Well, you know, we have to regulate ourselves ultimately, though, don't we? We can't expect the government to take care of everything.
3: That's right. We have to take responsibility for our own uh, state of health and well-being and that of our families. And I think that's another reason you're seeing uh, this movement, you know, growing the way it is. I think more people are waking up. Um, You know, my new favorite word is woke um, because that young generation has access to information and it keeps coming back to, you know, the Internet uh, propelling this whole movement forward because of, you know, transparency is, is, you know, the new black.
2: It is. It is. Well, it's time to take another commercial break. Marcy and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network www.xzbn.net. We will return, so you stay with us now.
4: Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.
0: Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exoneradiotv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
2: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest developments in an evolving world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. I always love suggestions from my listeners. Email me at info at to propose a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Marcy Zaroff. Her website, MarcyZaroff.com. Marcy, how do you feel this new echo renaissance movement as helping us to evolve as individuals? Um, I, it seems like we've been doing a lot of devolving health wise and everything else. Um, would you go into that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I think the reason that so many um, people are walking around today feeling unfulfilled or, you know, depression or turning to prescription drugs or, you know, is this sort of emptiness, this disconnect with ourselves. Because if we're not connected to nature, there is a disconnect that's very intuitive. Um, You know, we are not outside of nature you know, we are just, we were born, we grow, we evolve, we flower, we die, right? And, you know, I think there's this, there in our essence at the core of who we are. And you think about the first organ in our body that, you know, comes to life is our heart, right? Because the heartbeat is really, you know, what we should be following is, you know, our gut is the lifeline, to who we really are. And I think we've gotten so far removed from that. So in the Echo Renaissance, you know, while I speak through the lens of design, you know, really it is about activating people from that deep level, from that core where they can be in resonance, where they're aligning their professional and their personal values. Because I think at the core of who we really all are, we don't want to destroy, pollute, you know, uh, exploit, we don't want to you know create you know a toxic environment. We don't want to make this world worse for our children. you know at the core of who we are, we don't want any of that. So then why are we so disconnected? Well, if you start to hold people's hands and and help them find their way back home, um, it's very um, it feels right, you know, and it feels like, hey, I don't want two sets of values. You know, I want my values to be aligned. And that's why so many people are jumping ship out of, you know, a lot of toxic corporations today, looking at how do I take my skill sets and apply them to something I believe in, something I feel good about. So when I go to work every day, you know, I'm a part of that solution. I mean, my favorite quote is, work is love made visible. It's from uh, Kalilka Braun's book, The Prophet. Mm -hmm. So if you love your work, it's not work, it's love.
2: And then you're putting love into the world rather than resentment. Exactly. Yeah. So what is an echo, res- res- echo renaissance artist?
3: Yeah. So, you know, we are all at the core of who we are. We're also all creators and we're also all, you know, we all have the ability to um, create beautiful Art, Whether that's music, it's business, it's, you know, dance, it's cooking, it's whatever our art is. And so, you know, an Echo Renaissance artist really is I'm looking at people who are tapping into, you know, using their platform um, to really inspire that change and to be role models and and they're thinking about the you know ingredients that they're using or the words that they're saying and they're realizing that those those choices have an effect right law of attraction um, that you know if they put out positive energy then they're part of a collective positive, force right and I think we're starting to realize that you know by the fact that we are made of energy that everything that we do we choose we buy we wear we think we say we is all an extension of ourselves and ultimately a vibration we're sharing in the world so an, an eco-renaissance artist is is an artiste too is like really out there you know living and embodying the principles of the eco-renaissance creativity consciousness connection community and collaboration
2: What has living non-sustainably done to our ability to evolve spiritually?
3: Well, it's it's broken us from, you know, it's broken us from that very um, clean, positive energy and our ability to flow. You know, so much of what we put in on and around our, our bodies is destructive to us. It's, it's harming us. I mean, if you saw the amount of chemicals as one of the reasons I'm so passionate about eco fashion is, you know, as I've learned about the, the amount of chemicals that are going into the textiles that we're putting on our skin. I mean, our skin is the largest organ of our body and it's our primary organ for absorption. So it's not just what we eat. It's also what we where or what we sleep on or right. And all these chemicals are breaking us down. So, you know, when you think about, um, being out there and not having, you know, have the best way to say this is if somebody's, you know, goes on a, a vacation or they go, you know, or go into nature and they're, and they just drop in, you know, that feeling that people have when they drop into nature, that feeling that they have when they're, feeling connected and they're grounding, you know, at the core of who we are. But, you know, when we're moving so fast in today's world and we're layering ourselves with things that are harming us – intuitively it's very subtle and and remember we we haven't necessarily tapped into the full science of consciousness we're studying it through quantum physics now right but but at the end of the day why do birds all fly in unity and thrive why do you know fish all swim in schools and thrive you know we've gotten so disconnected from our intuitive nature um, and our ability to thrive collectively as humans and i think we're just now starting to wake up to that and and we're living in a modern day star wars you know where the dark and the light forces are kind of at odds you know where a lot of people and and you know the the dark energy is resisting this but there's a lot of light out there today and it's just continuing to try to make progress and bring more people into that light
2: it's surely transformative times isn't it
3: no question about it Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> how can we each become reconnected with our creative spirit
3: Yeah, um, you know, it's finding your bliss. I I go through an exercise in in the book Eco-Renaissance about, you know, tapping into that very – that energy that makes you smile when your eyes are closed and you think about it. You know, where are you? What are you doing? How are you feeling when you're channeling something effortlessly? And I think it's really about finding that through um, meditation, through yoga, through exercise, um, you know, and specific uh, methodologies that exist out there today. I mean, a lot of people, when they're not feeling well, they don't think twice about going to the doctor, right? Because the doctor is going to help Potentially guide you to physical improvement, right? Well, likewise, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling disconnected, if you're not in your flow, then there's so many tools in this toolkit of life that can support you to find that place where you know love, light, and peace, right? What else do we want? We want, you know, we want to live, we want to be happy. I mean, that's it. That's our nature. And I think you know, finding your creative spirit where you can channel that. Absolute effortless bliss is so fundamental to um, to feeling fulfillment in in our everyday lives and in every moment because every moment is a choice. You know, I've
2: I've often I, I love nature and I'm always out in it. I live in it, um, and I watch the animals. and It's not like the deer goes, "Oh, I've put on a couple pounds. I'd really like that nice juicy grass, but I better gnaw on some bark." <laughs> no, they follow their joy. They they follow their instincts. They follow what. What calls to them? And isn't that what we've gotten away from to our detriment?
3: No question. And that is, you know, that's that's the essence of, of my book is, you know, I just, I want to bring people back home. And, you know, and, and my thought is, I don't know which spoke in that wheel is going to activate them if they're not already, you know, somewhere on the spectrum, which they likely are, but it's really about, you know, what's going to strike a chord for somebody, what's going to resonate, is it going to be, you know, the way they're doing business, is it going to be, you know, the things they're eating, is it going to be the beauty products they're buying or the clothing, and and people are coming into this renaissance, this rebirth of humanity from so many different lenses and this, this you know, awakening and realization that we're all part of one ecosystem,
2: So how much does our intuition and being able to re-access our intuition through following our joy have to do with the guidance we need during these transitional times? It's critical.
3: It's critical. I mean, we have all of the answers within us. I mean, people forget that Um, you know, even in science today, I think only 3% of our DNA has been uncovered, you know, and the rest of it's still being bucketed as junk DNA, but you know, there's a code there, right. That's very, very deep about who we really are that we haven't necessarily been able to define yet, but it's about, um, getting back to that place where you trust your gut, where you follow your heart, that you live in your, um, you live from a place of, of, you know, Believing in your own answers and not looking outside of yourself for someone to tell you what to do, think, and be. And I think we've, our society because of, you know, at least in the the last generations of, you know, from television to advertising, going back to what you were talking about before, there's so much of that has been just brainwashing and, and being told things that just don't make any sense to us, but yet people do them anyway, right? Because somewhere, somehow it's a belief system that was adopted, but at the same token, it doesn't feel right. And I think today, Um, Just, you know, connecting that dot back to, you know, information that we have and access to, you know, and transparency, we can check those things out that don't feel right. We can find communities of other people that actually believe what we believe and suddenly we have that validation. And I think, you know, it's such a new day for humanity. It's such an exciting time to be alive because we've barely scratched the surface of what's to come.
2: Well, it is an exciting time to be alive. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Marcy, thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. And um, hopefully everybody will, you know, become a part of the eco-renaissance and be a part of that uh, better world
2: for all of us. I hope so, too. Our guest this hour has been Marcy Zaroff, the author of Eco-Renaissance, a lifestyle guide for co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world. Her website, marcyzaroff.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Guilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues to bring information, resources, and support to an evolving world.
4: Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simo TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simo TV today. Sign up at simotv.com. Do it today.